Hello, everybody, and welcome to Voices Through Avalon. My name is Sharon Fincher. And my name is Katie Smith. And we have Miss Benita Robinson here. And she's going to talk to us about Sexual Assault Awareness Month and our wonderful institute that, that we've started here at Avalon. So thank you for joining us and welcome back. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about April, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. What are some of the things that we're doing here at Avalon and that you're doing specifically in the community to raise awareness? Yeah, so um, April is a very important month for our organization, obviously, because um, it is our nationally recognized um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, the significance of this month is really um, to support survivors, to demonstrate to the community ways that we can support survivors as well through um, activism, through services, and getting out um, the word about experiences of survivors of sexual violence. And so although we do this work all year round, I think it's important um, in this particular month to highlight um, not only the work that we do, but also the resiliency of survivors and how they're able to navigate their healing journey um, after experiencing sexual violence. So for us, we have a lot of things going on at Avalon. Um, of course, we have been uh, invited by a lot of our community partners to do tabling events and be a part of their um, their events. And so, um, for example, we're working with Affirmations on a tabling event they have coming up, a resource Fair um, College of Creative Studies is actually doing a fundraiser for us um, with live music. Um, really, really amazing uh, group that ha we've worked with for years around a lot of different initiatives. So shout out to Affirmations and CCS. Um, we are also doing a lot of education and awareness. So for example, today I'll actually be speaking with the HIV and STI um, task force meeting, which is through the city of Detroit, talking about sexual assault awareness, how to um, support survivors, things of that nature. So um, a lot of speaking engagements, a lot of um, resource sharing, and a lot of um, just us continuing to do the work that we've been doing all of this time. Well, awesome. Thank you for sharing that with mm -hmm. us. And just so you guys know, um, a lot of this information is on our website under our events tab. You can look up specifics around times of these specific events mm -hmm. and the partners that Benita said that we were working with for April. And then also, too, we'll be sharing a lot to social media. So if for some reason you're not able to make it out to the event, um, I'm both myself and Benita will be at the CCS event on Saturday and we'll be sharing a lot of information. Um, she's also going to be speaking at the event on yes. Saturday. Yes. So we're really excited about that. Um, and then just a side note, um, we do have a, a, a walk that we had put together for Avalon. I don't know if you want to say a little bit about that, Sharon. Yeah, so it's called uh, Run, I'm sorry, Walk, Run, Bike. And what we wanted to do after, you know, um, speaking with survivors who um, said that they wanted to, to be a little bit more active and engaged, you know, in a lot of in-person, in more in-person activities. So what we did was, you know, put this together to kind of honor and um, have an activity for Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And we still realize that some people are um, a little afraid to come out because of COVID still, so everybody isn't comfortable. So this is more of like a virtual event that people can do anywhere. Um, if you, you know, um, go to our website, you can register your team. We can have T-shirts, you know, for all of your team members. And you can walk, run, or bike wherever you are. Um, we have hashtags available 
um, for people so that we can post them on social media. And this goes through uh, Friday of this week through, so what would that be like, the 30th through, the 30th the of April? through May 1st. Okay, the 29th through May, the 29th of April through May 1st. And you can, like I said, you can do it anywhere. You can walk, you can run, you can bike. We have people that are interested in doing it with their families. So, like, the kids can get on the bikes and and really just kind of, you know, exercise and bring awareness to sexual assault awareness and, and also support our survivors because all of the monies received will go toward um, activities for our survivors. So we're pretty excited about it. We haven't done this before, and we're looking forward to this weekend so that we can walk, run, and bike everywhere that we are. Uh, thank you for sharing that information, Sharon. Um, one thing we did want to talk about today is the Avalon Institute, yes. which um, Bonita was one of the major spearheaders of mm-hmm. this, and she has been doing a lot of work behind the scenes around um, putting the institute together and different um, educational and prevention material. And so can you tell us a little bit about where that's at and, and what to expect? Yeah, so um, for everyone's knowledge, the Avalon Institute is an e-learning platform um, that really we launched during COVID, which was pretty remarkable. Um, I think that uh, having the ability to plan a program um, through the implementation phase during uh, the strenuous times of COVID at the peak of COVID was a, a really, really great success for our staff who worked on this. So shout out to all of the other staff who also worked on this project. But the purpose of the Avalon Institute is to create more opportunities um, for education for our community partners and also folks who um, maybe live outside of our um, immediate Wayne County area. And so um, for us, because we are an organization that gets a lot of Uh, notoriety, I think, from the work that we do across the country, we really wanted to create more opportunities for individuals to be able to access learning materials at any time and at their convenience. And so um, we currently have some offerings posted. Um, I will say that the status for as far as the status of Avalon Institute, um, we did have kind of a, a stalemate period because, of course, we are Um, We're still doing the work that we do every day, servicing survivors. And so um, recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were able to meet and talk about a timeline for some new uh, materials to be posted onto the Avalon Institute. So our plan is throughout this year to work on more offerings to be able to post, um, to expand the the types of information that we're posting and really reach out to our community partners as well. I know this is a um, something that Sharon and I have talked about for a long time and uh, wanting to engage our community partners so that this is a community-owned platform, although we're the ones that's kind of maintaining it. And so um, currently, a lot of our materials on the platform are foundational levels, so like Sexual Assault 101, and um, we have some offerings that are population-specific. So our plan is to actually grow and build off of that and offer um, some higher level educational opportunities for folks who, for example, have been in the work for a while and maybe need um, higher levels of uh, of educational opportunities. So we're really excited about the Avalon Institute um, and have been really working to get the word out there about it because we think that education is a primary prevention tool for um, preventing sexual violence. And so we're really, really adamant about creating those opportunities. Where do we see it going in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was out, you know, I haven't seen any other things like this so much from, from different agencies, more from, like, the big organizations mm-hmm. like Uvalu and, and things like that. 
Um, like, where do you see us going in the future um, when it comes to the Institute? Yeah, so I think that with the Avalon Institute, what I would, what I really want to relay is that this is one piece of our educational and outreach um, efforts. And so I think that this is an important piece because, as I mentioned earlier, um, we really want to make sure that people who live outside of our, our region or our service area have an opportunity to engage in some of the conversations that and work that we do in Wayne County, which I think is really unique in a lot of ways. Um, you know, as in the past, as staff have traveled to different areas for training, professional development, to do presentations, what we've learned is that um, our organization is unique in that we we do service a huge amount of um, individuals who are from marginalized communities and a lot of other organizations don't have that same experience. In addition to that, um, we have a huge expertise and knowledge base around providing best practice services um, through, like, for example, our crisis response team, um, where we go out to hospitals and provide support. And we often get a lot of questions about, like, how we do this work in our particular area. And so um, for the for future purposes, I think that the Avalon Institute um, will continue to provide those opportunities for people to learn about how to best service survivors in their particular region. Um, and so obviously uh, we know that a person like our, our services are not one size fits all, but to really be able to take nuggets from what we do and apply it to the work that they're doing in their communities. Um, in addition to that, I think one of the primary goals for us is, as I mentioned again earlier as well, is to have more community engagement through the Avalon Institute. So what that means is like um, not always just having our staff be the ones that are presenting or facilitating conversations. We really want to engage the experts in our community who are also doing this work and similar work um, to be able to also provide um, knowledge to uh, people about what they're doing and how their services are impacting survivors as well. So I think that um, the e-learning platform, along with our other initiatives, right, like expanding our capacity to do outreach and education work, um, really targeting populations that are not normally um, at the forefront of uh, people's minds. So for example, men and boys, um, targeting some of the marginalized communities that um, we don't see as much through uh, the services that we provide, I think is really vital and opening that conversation up more to um, populations that where this topic is still very much so taboo. And so um, I think our ultimate goal is to expand our reach beyond our current community. Although we definitely need a lot more education in our own community, um, we definitely see ourselves having a wider impact across the country. Um, I just think it's amazing that we have all of these options of ways to get the information out about yeah. Avalon and yeah. our services. And, you know, for so long, we didn't have a platform like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had social media, which yeah. is we're still growing. And we did have our in-person um, presentations that, you know, you've been doing a lot of them for mm -hmm. a long time. And yeah. I feel like this is a really great opportunity to just, like you said, expand our horizons with the community and, yeah. and you know, we'll be able to get out, reach so many other populations. Um I, as you guys know, you and Sharon both know, I'm not much of a public speaker, mm -hmm. and I prefer mm -hmm. not to do it. I'm trying really hard. 
But I'm always just really blown away by both of you when I see you guys do a present a presentation in the community and I've been able to see it quite often and how it reaches people in our community yeah. and gets people asking questions and just seeing them come up and be like, I didn't know this and I didn't know that. And it's like they're learning something new yeah. and something that's important yeah. to know. Yeah. And I just think it's really cool that yeah. we have both of you guys here mm-hmm. on the staff at Avalon and you have a way of making people feel comfortable and you have a way of explaining things to people, you know, about these topics that can be very sensitive that I'm just really blown away by. So, yeah, I think one thing that, I think we share as a staff for people on staff who do education and outreach work is that um, although the statistics around sexual violence are pretty startling and troubling, um, most of our staff at Avalon are really story, more storytellers. And so for us, I think this shows through the way that we present and facilitate education um, in the community because, you know, putting the statistics out there is important, but it's about the humans that are behind those statistics and what their actual experiences are, what their lived experiences are, and how they're navigating their survivorship. And so I think... Um, that's the most relatable way to really get through to people um, when you're educating people. Um, it doesn't process until they can relate to it a lot of times, right? And so, you know, we get a lot of times when we're out in the community, I'm sure Sharon has many stories about this too, where people are like, well, I haven't went through sexual violence and I don't know anyone. And, you know, we we often challenge them and say, well, actually, you probably do. Maybe this person never disclosed to you. And what does this look like as far as, right, um, you being a support person, Um, if that person does decide to disclose publicly or disclose to you. And so um, really making sure that people understand that this is a human social problem and not just a women's issues or a girl's issue, which unfortunately sexual violence has been framed that way for so long that I think we're kind of trying to backtrack a little bit and say this is an issue that Although it primarily impacts women and girls, um, there are so many other communities that are impacted by this, um, both directly and indirectly. And so I think that comes out in the way that we present because we really want people to feel connected to this issue and therefore they will feel propelled to actually be a part of the solution. I think think one of the things that that we do here, too, is the focus that we put on secondary survivors. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, think about it. One is people are telling you about their assaults or these things happen and and the level of of discomfort that the family or, you know, the friends have. And, and I think in a lot of instances, before I even started working here, I knew that it affected people who were the loved ones of survivors, Mm -hmm. the protectors of survivors, the children's children's, Mm -hmm. sorry, children of survivors, but nobody ever really addressed them and so i think one of the things that we do here is look at the whole picture and realize how important it is to provide support for the supporters of the survivors because they're affected as well it kind of makes you feel helpless to see someone you love go through these things and i guess instinctively your thing is i'm gonna go and and kill the person or beat the person up that did this to you when that's not really the answer you have to let the law do what they need to do but we are very solid in, in providing support and instruction on ways to support the survivor, but simultaneously getting help for yourself as the supporter of the survivor. And I think just that that whole big picture that we try to put together helps a lot as well. 
-hmm. No, I think that that you're absolutely right about that. That's very important. And I love how we talk about specific populations Mm -hmm. and the resources and barriers for those specific populations. Mm Because that is really important that you recognize that. So, you know, someone from the LGBTQI community is going to have other barriers, you know, specific barriers and resources that they need that maybe another population doesn't need. Yeah. And I think that it's important to define that because um, it's a big part of their healing journey and it's a big part of how they might have experienced trauma or or how they you know, or coping with that trauma. So that's something that I've always really been impressed by is just how we really take it to the next level. And yes, we make it a human issue. We make it where, you know, anybody can be assaulted. Anyone can experience sexual assault. But we also have a way of making sure that we're supporting each population, you know, in a specific way to, to provide them with the best resources possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We always say use this term. I think when I when I um, facilitate conversation in the community, uh, bringing home that point of uh, healing is not one size fits all, and it's uh, it looks differently for everyone. And so we can't uh, apply a, a one size fits all model to every survivor that walks through our door um, mm-hmm. because everyone has different needs and different um, challenges that they feel are priorities for them, and so. Um, I'm really proud of Avalon by because we do really our program is really shaped around the the voices of survivors and what we're hearing that they need. And so, um, you know, we work with a lot of organizations collaboratively as well, which is another huge, huge part of our work is um, making sure that we recognize that we can't do everything within Avalon. And so um, our heavy reliance on our community partners, I think, also bridges that gap that um, sometimes survivors um, face when they're trying to interface with one program that may be uh, doesn't have everything that they might need at that time to um, to get to to a place to work on uh, work through therapeutic services, for example, and things like that. So, yeah, we're pretty dope here. Um, you know, and yeah, we I think we are, and I, I think that you know having a di- diverse staff helps a lot. Um, you know, when you, when you come through the doors, you're going to see people from different ethnicities and backgrounds and. And all types of things. And I think just having so many different perspectives in the same room at the table kind of helps with um, the way that we provide services and our mm-hmm. understanding of the clients. And even having discussions about who we think as a staff would, would be best fit to service specific people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all of those things are, are great. And I, I love the work that we're doing here. Um, Benita, is there anything else that you want to share mm-hmm. with everyone before we wrap it up? Yeah, I think um, my final message, I guess, before I depart is to encourage community members, um, not just in April, um, you know, around Sexual Assault Awareness Month, but all year to be really intentional about learning about this issue. Um, We have a lot of opportunities through our organizations. We also have some other amazing organizations within our community, um, such as Sasha Center, First Step, Haven, Turning Point, um, who are kind of who we coin our sister organizations that do this work. Um, And really, really learn more about how you can support survivors, support our organizations. Um, We can always use donations, monetary 
military and otherwise. And so uh, we would definitely uh, want to put out there that we cannot do this work without the support of our community. And so uh, please reach out with questions if you're interested in learning more and uh, to donate to the organizations that are um, closest to your proximity to make sure that we can continue to do this work. And please follow us on our social media pages, um, Avalon Healing Center Detroit, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, That's a way to really be able to get a lot more information about the Institute. We're going to be posting a lot more in May in regards to what we're launching with that. And just any of the events that we have coming up, um, that's the best way to get information and and to be able to sign up for things. Um, But we're at our favorite part of the podcast, which is the lightning round. And Mm -hmm. I know we've asked you probably some of these questions last time you were on, but you never know. People change their mind. Maybe you got some new answers for us. So um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you Mm -hmm. was, um, what are your three favorite restaurants here in Detroit? Oh, man. See, I should have gotten these questions ahead of time. But... (laughs) um, my three favorite restaurants. I think uh, right now I'm going to choose a couple of uh, newer. Well, a couple of them are newer. They're all black-owned businesses. Um, one is Good Times, which is in my neighborhood uh, in the Bagley area, um, Livernois, the Fashion of Avenue, also known as the Fashion of Avenue. Good Times has some pretty amazing food. They have a really good brunch as well on the mm. weekends. Um <laughs> My newest, I actually just tried this restaurant out, um, and I apologize if I'm slaughtering the name, but I think it's pronounced uh, Babub, and it's an East African restaurant um, on the Boulevard in Woodward. So I actually just tried that restaurant like uh, two weeks ago, and oh my God, the food was so amazing. And I didn't even know they were there, which was um, also amazing. And then the last one I think would be uh, Sloppy Crab, which is a newer restaurant downtown Detroit that I really, oh. really loved as well. So <laughs> I need to get yeah. out more. Like, yeah. I didn't even hear, I haven't even heard of these three places before. Yeah. I went on a little uh, expedition on my my week off, and so nice. a lot of eating out at restaurants. So, okay. yes, yes. Well, you know we love to talk about food around here. Yes. And Sharon's yes. always posting photos yes. and videos of her food. Well, um. I, st- I started a Facebook group. It's called Lesbians Who Love to Cook. So it's just full of, like, all of these lesbians from all over the world that we have culinary ideas and share things. Oh, <laughs> serious nosy. I'm sorry. So yeah, that's that's interesting. I want to. What are the what are three things that you look forward to most coming up, like for the spring and summer in Detroit? A lot of people yeah. were like, "Oh, Detroit, I want to visit," and I'm like, "Really?" Because that's 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 yeah. new for us. Yeah. But we enjoy it. So like, what are the three things that you're looking forward to most? Yeah. So number one thing is just being outside in general, because I think all of us are tired of being cooped up in the house. Um, I love water. So I spend a lot of time in the riverfront area on Belle Isle doing like picnics, just taking my dog for walks, stuff like that. So definitely being outdoors and being near the water. Um, I am looking forward to the festivals this year. And although unfortunately Detroit has lost a lot of our Uh, staple festivals Um, I'm really looking forward to for example the African World Festival which Mm -hmm. is I think back at Campus Martius this year Um, so really excited for that Um, and I think lastly um, just spending time with friends because I think um, in the winter when it's colder I think 
I'm in the house more and less social, even mm-hmm. with my friends. And so like summertime is a good time for us to get together and just uh, be out in the world and spend a good time together. So I think that's um, really, really great self-care to have have that uh, social peace and community peace. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have one more question mm-hmm. for you. And I love to ask this of everyone that comes mm-hmm. onto the podcast. At the end of the day, with everything you have going on here mm-hmm. at Avalon in the world and your personal life, yeah. um, what keeps you coming back to yeah. this work and this yeah. job? Number one reason is the survivors that we serve. I think, um, although we have days, I think all of us in this work talk about having those days where we feel like, um, am I helping? Am I um, adding value to to the people that I'm having contact with? Um, but, you know, we interface with so many survivors that um, I am fortunate enough to say that I can see change happening both on a micro level and a macro level in this work and although it can be exhausting it can take a toll on people who are um, really dedicated to this work um, the resiliency of survivors is just amazing and a lot of times I it's just if they can do it like I can keep going and doing this work as well yeah Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on to the podcast. We always love having you and sharing information about the Institute and about April Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And um, we hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be safe. Bye.